Welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I'm joined by some of the usual comrades, Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo Sanchez Cheveria, and then uh, are, are basically the Edward Norton to, uh, I guess you'd be the, the Brad Pitt to um, Corey Shreppel's Edward Norton in Fight Club, Alex Schieferdecker, another Pennsylvanian, uh, but we couldn't get Corey, and, and so, you know, might as well. <laughs> It's a great way to introduce you. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I've had, a, well. I've had a very long day and I have to be up early. So my attempts at humor is this is going to be a bad episode. Just, just <laughs> all of you know it now. Hey, Alex, how are you? Hey, it's good to be on. Yeah, we've missed you. Um, yeah. Since you won't join the Slack, you can't be on the podcast because we don't know how to communicate any other way. Um, <laughs> but uh, you were at this weekend's uh, away opener, the season opener at Philadelphia, it was in your your hometown. They they did this just for you. Um, was it uh, was it good to finally have some soccer back? Yeah, it was very nice. And the loons, I, I, I'm pretty sure, have never played at home since I've moved here, or maybe they've played once or some something in like six years. It, it's ridiculous how they've never been here. Uh, and so it was nice to actually have them in town for once and see them in person. The Loons have never played at your home. I've never played in the union. Yeah. Okay. All right. In Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just, usually they call their home Allianz field, but I know, (laughs) um, (laughs) so we are going to talk about that game. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the games throughout this season. Um, but first we're going to do some, uh, some quick and dirties with the good, the bad, and the weird. Um, just a quick first thing, a, a good a listener, Andrew, reached out about the the Futsal Society. I don't know if you guys know about this organiz- organization, but Sahan Journal um, wrote an article about them a month or three months, I don't know, a while back in the winter. Um, they're a really fantastic organization that's been growing and building um, in all these like high school gyms and all these things during the winter, particularly futsal amongst particularly the East African kids of uh, South Minneapolis, but not exclusively to them. Um, go check it out. It's um, futsalsociety.org. Um, they're holding a fundraiser on April 9th at the Loring Social in, in Loring Park. So go check out their website and um, and you can learn more about that. But thanks, Andrew, for, uh, for reaching out. They're a very cool organization that I wish I uh, knew more about. And now we can all learn more about other goods, Christian Eriksen, the dude just is back, back for Brentford. He came off the bench, even though Brentford was uh, down a man after the 11th minute red card against Newcastle. That's glorious. Um, 259 days ago, or roughly, but or 259 days before, he basically died on a pitch. Uh, we were all watching that game in, in the Euros. Um, I'm a big Christian Eriksen fan as a, as a Spurs dude, as a Dane. Um, and seeing him back out there was, was just glorious. Rodrigo, you were watching this game too, right? Yeah, no, I think that's one of the reasons that was uh, so enlightening is just that the fact that all he had to go through and I'm pretty sure all the waivers that he had to sign didn't have anyone liable. And, it's, and just so he can go back and do what he loves to do the most, which is Apparently to yell at a referee for bad calls, but which yeah, was man. great to see him do that. But it was just to, to be see him out there, just be active and yelling and and, and doing all the things was was great. I wish 
I wish it would have ended like a you know a one one tie or a two two tie or something like that to just make it more receiver. But you know, someone had to win. So I wish he could have scored a hat trick, just come back in and just destroy everyone. But right, yeah, it's it all- could have been the Santiago Munoz of uh, of the gold yeah. movie series. Um, th- I didn't have the sound on because there were lots of games on that morning at the bar. Um, wh- what was the the what did it sound like on the TV? It was. It sounded good. It sounded like literally like a, what a regular game would sound like, and I think that was one of the things that caught my attention. Was just oh, they didn't like give him like a standing ovation for like five. No, minutes. yeah, they all did. Okay. Like they like the like the fans did, right? Okay. I mean, like yeah, both sides fans did that. So you know, okay. but but you know, I mean that I didn't know. I I wouldn't know who would want to do that. I mean, like it's such a great story and yeah. such a great accomplishment to be able to make it back. I mean, eventually one day I'll make it back to the pitch, and I hope to only have. One uh, sixteenth of negative thirteen percent of that kind of response for, for folks. So, wait, why did you leave the pitch again? Um, I just got lazy. Didn't want to start. <laughs> I want to stop. I didn't want. I want to stop playing against twenty-three-year-old soccer players. If, all they do is run and are, are all about speed. I just, I just wanted to tackle someone and hurt them, you know, and then just walk away. Someday Rodrigo too will overcome adversity, the adversity yeah, of his laziness. Comparable uh, hardships here. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's go to the other hardships. Uh, U.S. women's national team settled their lawsuit for equal pay. Um, I, I don't know if anyone has an opinion on, on how does this solve anything or, or what, but um, anyone want to say anything? It's nice to see the, the chapter closed at least. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good that it was, I guess, a settlement where both both sides presumably are uh, at least somewhat happy with the result. Um, I know that's not always how settlements work, but it's good. It's good that it's over, and it's good that there's a result that uh, seems pretty satisfactory. Right. I think um, the women's team gets like a. Is it like 24, 25, something around a million dollars in payback, but that's spread out in like, you know, back three pay. or four years. Back yeah. pay, which is very, very different pay, than yep. payback. <laughs> Sorry. I know that the, the U.S. soccer would love to get payback against them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, so they got the back pay that's like, you know, it's like an installment. So, but I think overall, I mean, it's all contingent on, on a new CBA, if I remember, or a new contract agreement on from both sides. So that's still the part that that's the hurdle that needs to happen, but the majority is that they actually settled. And so they can move on and um, hold them even more accountable and flourish. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? I mean, if this has been part of, you know, I mean, how has it been like, like six, seven years? It feels like even longer. Like At least years, 70 so. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the you know this is a a good also a bad um you know obviously the last week and and everything with uh, russia invading ukraine has put a huge cloud over everything and made the first mls weekend uh definitely sur- surreal of having to try to like take a mental break so that you could cheer uh, and and yell at a screen again um, what is the good of this story that, that that we see is that FIFA is actually getting a spine or something? You know, we all they, looked, got, they got shamed into it. Yeah, they got shamed. Up, but regardless, the fact that FIFA is a bunch of corrupt 
corrupt people. Um, just the, the kind of the worst scum of the earth. Like, um, and it's led by terrible people. And so I don't expect them to respond to shame. Uh, they don't. In the, they haven't in the past. They didn't. You know, all the shame around uh, Qatar, they've done nothing about. But they have said that Russia is basically out of the World Cup. Um, they they're they are like banning Russia right now, um, which so that's not nothing. And now certainly there's other instances where now they should probably think about um, how do we actually treat this going forward, and and rather than just taking it in this one case. But I think we have to take a a win where we get it, which is that FIFA is actually punishing Russia, which the IOC never did. So right. Well, remember. Or, I mean, it feels like it was forever ago, but the last World Cup was in Russia, mm-hmm. uh, which is well, weird to think about. Uh, and then I also remembered just today, I was uh, remembering that, that World Cup and was reminded that remember how Russia's team just was like ran like 20% more than yes. any other team in the World Cup? I mean, it just. I, I have seen the, the, the IOC and, and others actually apparently are in in response to these events of the last week gaining the same kind of spine that, that FIFA is, very belatedly. But I also think that this, I mean, this sort of impunity with that with, you know, that the, the Russian uh, athletic teams have acted with over the years in both the Olympics, but also the World Cup in terms of doping. I mean, it, it, it's just sort of part and parcel of the of the same story. And, and it is nice to finally see world bodies standing up for something. So, And some of those world bodies are like world bodies that usually don't stay neutral through any kind of conflict, which I think is probably one of the most interesting things, right? I think what's, what's the number of countries that have the... They've not. Um, they will not play um, Russia in any kind of form or format. I think it's the United States, it's Czech Republic. You know, Poland were the first to, to do Poland, it. Yeah, right. they, 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 and and that was that was play. what partially pushed uh, FIFA. You know, FIFA's Push hand. UEFA, UEFA then FIFA. Yeah. I mean, you can hardly punish Poland for that. So then they had yeah. to then by default punish Russia. But yeah. So. Um, Let's move to a bad then, which even though, yes, that was kind of a, all a bad, but somewhere in that range. Um, tell me this story, Rodrigo. This is about a, a Brazilian league derby where fans were injuring players. Tell, tell the story. So it's been a really interesting week in Brazilian soccer. The league has started a couple of weeks ago, and it's just there's just been a lot of violence, fan-related violence going on. And so this is one of the latest things that happened. So... Uh, this is one of the biggest derby matches in Brazil. Um, and it's usually uh, between Grêmio and Internacional. And um, the match between the two main clubs uh, in the part of Porto Arreglo is called the Grenal. Uh, but Grêmio withdrew from the match uh, um, after Rock smashed through coach windows and hurt players. <laughs> so they were throwing, like, imagine, like, Someone tears up the sidewalk, right? Like the cement sidewalks and starts hurling like cement blocks the size of your head through windows. And it hit a couple of players and they ended up, uh, you know, having to be rushed to the hospital and therefore um, doing that. But in addition to that, it's just, there's just been, you know, other stuff, right? Um, there's also been like 
uh, violence against um, other teams, and it's, it's just it's just crazy. It's just I don't I don't I don't actually get. There's actually actually in a lower league there was like a fight between fans and players, but like there was actually physical throw blows been thrown at us. So yikes! Yeah, not good. All right. Well, uh, the weird is Leeds United announces the hiring of Shivas USA legend uh, Jesse <laughs> Marsh as its new manager. Uh, so yeah, the the second, um, I mean, I guess he's the the third with um, David, who was the the Huddersfield manager. David Wagner um, was also American, but um, third American coach in the Premier League. And uh, hopefully lasts longer than uh, Bob Bradley or even David Wagner. Um, Jesse Marsh is a really nice guy, apparently. His brother used to bartend uh, when I would watch soccer in Milwaukee at the Highbury Pub. So I got to know Craig. But uh, and Craig, hard, hard act to follow. Uh, yeah, Bielsa. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the thing is though, um, Bielsa is two things, right? He's a a, a crazy tactician and, and kind of a, a weird, crazy man for motivational. Um, Jesse Marsh is a massive motivational guy. He's a locker room guy. He's a um, and someone who is used to. He's not crazy with his tactics, but it's it's high intensity stuff. I think he should do well. The, if you look at the table, Leeds, there's so many crappy teams. Leeds should finish uh, outside of the relegation, right? And if you're Jesse Marsh, you want to do that. And and he's got a decent enough team that um, I think that, you know, if he does get relegated this year, then he definitely deserves to get fired. And he's, he's not as good as we thought, right? So... I think he's he's he hasn't been dealt a really bad hand, right? Sometimes you these guys take over like Swansea was a bad hand or you know things like that. Well, he's got eleven games to figure it out, so we'll see. All right, let's finish on this, which is a Minnesota Aurora update. Uh, season tickets they are open to the public on Wednesday at noon. Uh, I believe that it's about twenty six hundred deposits uh, were coming into today when. Um, Deposit uh, people with deposits were able to start buying them. The website uh, has proven very interesting, and um, most of what I would like to say is redacted. But uh, people have been super patient. Uh, I think sometimes I think people, at least who know me, know know kind of a, a lot what's going on with the club. But it's like we are growing extremely fast, and there's a lot of people really interested in this club, and. Uh, trying to fit three, you know, fulfill 3000 merchandise orders when, uh, you had none on hand, uh, is, is something. And same thing with working with, uh, right. all of this, but it's a good problem to have, but it has been, uh, it, it requires a lot of growing pains between now and, uh, right. getting to May 20th. I mean, can't you just, you know, use the back room at the black card and ask a bunch of the community owners to come over and just do like, you know, some sort of like, uh, conveyor belt type it, of like it's just not even getting line. it out the door it's like getting this the providers can't even get us the merch fast enough Dang. that's the problem so we're we're like back ordered it's it's tough and would like all of it to say to give a little bit of context because some of you listeners are aurora people some of you communicate and and almost everyone has been super cool they're like 
you know, they would love their stuff or they would like the website to work, but they understand. Um, I've rarely interacted with someone who was a dick about it. Um, but yeah, you know, you also kind of want your merch. I get it. You want <laughs> this stuff, but we're having good problems. And the fact that we are above some NWSL teams uh, in season tickets is still batshit crazy because they actually have staff and we only have very little staff until we hire a couple more people. Yeah. I got to get my season ticket order in. So we'll see. Do it Wednesday at noon. My, my comrade. I have my tickets in my Apple wallet right now and it feels glorious. Oh yes. Mm. All right. Uh, I have to get one more. I, I only got three. I don't know why. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, in your family. did you forget to count your, I, yourself? I, and then I you're think counting? I did. I think I was like, oh, well, I'll just get one free. And so anyway, um, okay, let's take a break. We'll come back because Minnesota United started their season. on the 551 podcast it's minnesota united time we had a game we watched it we yelled at things just the the news before we get going is that uh kervin kermagird uh ariaga he finally got his visa paperwork finished on the plane they they kind of got it to him on the way to the game um the team of the week uh, had uh minnesota was on we had lewd on the bench right anyone else no that was it yep that's it um, but Raheem, Raheem was on the, first, the starting eleven. The bench and the team of the week. Yeah, the Give bench. Break. The bench of the team. I know, of the right? Week is I mean, players. just season. pick eleven players. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm sure he gets a bonus. So good for him. Um, <laughs> so this team started with some injuries, right? We had Ramon Metinier, Chase Gasper out. We had Will Trap out. We had uh, Abu Dinladi out, which is, man, it's such a bummer to see him back and he's already injured. Well, um, here's my question about that. Because, like, I actually looked about last year, he played in eight matches for 91 minutes. Like, was he, and he wasn't injured last year, was he? I have no idea. I didn't follow him. I have no idea. But uh, he had one of the best either, expected but... goals per 90. So, uh, you know, there is that. Um, so we had, um, O'Neill Fisher at right back. We had uh, Bakai Debasi move out to the left, and so Brent Coleman came in. You had Kermagerd play in central midfield, and then you had uh, Luis Amaria up top. So up top, it meant uh, Amaria maybe was pushed earlier than it would have been. Uh, we Maybe he would have started no matter what. And then um, Ariaga, I think, would have probably not normally started, but... We have that going. The Debassi does pretty well on the left back. We've seen him there before. O'Neill Fisher is a guy who I think we all thought would he'll he'll come in and out because Roman will have these these things. And um, but why don't we start with you, Schiefer Decker? You were at the game. Give us your uh, your top line uh, observations. Well, it was great to be there. Um, you know, it's fun. It's always funny to me watching a game in person, especially because I'm not there every week. And you just notice very different things and don't notice different things from when you're watching on a screen. I think that when you're in person, you see the physicality of the players a lot more. And for me, I find it much more difficult to spot the tactics. Um, so for instance, uh, Kervin Ar- Ariaga really stood out. 
the guy's built. He's big. He looks very strong. How tall is he? Uh, he looks like he's like. It's it, it just you. You uh, Hassani Dodson kind of disappears because anytime you look in the midfield, you see uh, Ariaga instead. I mean, he he almost. My memory is that he was almost boxall size. I mean, he looked. Uh, he looked very strong, um, and so that was one definitely one thing that 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 he saw. I also spent a lot of time staring at our fullbacks because obviously they were they were substitutions and also because they were under siege the entire game. Um, you know, I thought Debassy did did his best, but he was clearly uh, beaten for pace a lot of the time, and the Union noticed that, and they really went at him all game. And Fisher was right in front of where where we were all standing. Um, uh, for the first half, and every time he got the ball in possession, it was really worrying. He seemed to make slow decisions with the ball, and he turned it over at least twice in dangerous areas. So that had me really worried about the uh, the fullbacks if we don't have our starting starting fullbacks this year. And then the set pieces. You know, I saw after the game, uh, Adrian Heath said that he thought the set pieces were weren't so bad. Certainly, maybe the union are are good at them, but uh, we never like cleanly cleared out a set piece. Uh, it felt like we never cl- cleanly cleared out a set piece the whole game, and there were multiple scrambles before the one that ended up being recycled and leading to a goal. So, just from where we were standing, we saw Minnesota defending in the first half and then attacking in the in the second. And um, in in that way, we actually saw probably less of the game. And if we had been in the opposite corner um, and definitely got got a sort of up close and personal view of some of the defensive issues and some of the fullback issues. Um, but, you know, ultimately, when you take a step back from it and look at, the, you know, what what the result was, a 1-1 draw on the road week one against a team that should be very good this year, I think is an impressive result. Obviously, an improvement over what happened last year. Uh, but just an impressive result on its own. Yeah, I, I think overall I felt pretty good coming out of this game. Philadelphia are a really good team. We're away. We haven't quite gelled. We are missing a couple important starters. And the first half we looked really good and fun and exciting. There was some amazing play in that first half. Now, second half, not not quite as good, but... I think overall, my takeaway was this: a point on the road, that's fine, and uh, and we got to see some of the some of the sexiness, some of the nineteen uh, seventies porn star swagger, is I believe what I thought in the moment of our attacking four. Um, let's start first with this question of the midfield, right? I'm, I'm thinking about all the questions that we'll be asking this season. The We did not have Will Trap. We wanted to see Will Trap and uh, Dotson, and how will that work? Ariaga jumps in here, and so we have him, who is he's six foot three. I did look this up. Um, absolute giant. And then you've got Dotson, who's kind of doing his roaming thing. Rodrigo, what did you what did you make of about the two of them? How did they work together, or how did individually they seem? Well, we we hadn't had the chance to fully see Ariaga in 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 a full game, and I think my my we haven't my, seen my him, question. I mean, at, at all. all. 
Well, well, I mean, if you watch the the games that he played for his national team. Oh, okay. He, oh, all right. So I, right. I, was, I thought it was missing something, but okay, yes. Yeah, and I think that that for me it was one of those things. Like I had a question as to who was going to play the six, who was going to play the eight in that kind of role sense. Uh, but when you saw the lineup, you saw that Ariaga was was positioned towards the right, and uh, Dotson positioned towards the left, which meant that the left side, which we know Fragapanas used to cut it and not really defend as much, and with uh, the boss, you guys had a lot of playing time and also playing at that position meant that that the majority of his work was going to be mostly defensive and trying to stop transitions and trying to do some of that stuff, and Ariaga was giving the green light to to be that that that. that the player that carries the ball and gets the ball going quickly. And that was one of the things that I think um, caught my eye was, was how quickly we were able to get into transition because of Ariaga's uh, uh, mode. I mean, he just went off and, and tried to get the ball out to the side and try to get the ball out to it. And so I think that was, that was, that was a good surprise to have. That'd be interesting. And I'm happy to have this problem in which we have, this rotation between these three players as to who's going to play where and where. I think for a very long time, we've always had, when we talked about substitutions of saying next person up, you know, it usually doesn't mean next person, same level of talent, if not equal, right? I think we've had, you know, players come in a position where they're not set up to to be successful. And I think Ariaga is going to give uh, Dodson a run for his money. Uh, which is good, but I also thought that Dotson actually had a decent game as well too. So I think, um, I, I think that's 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 what I could see from there. So plus Ariaga gives us another person to take free kicks, and that was impressive to me. So yeah, I, uh, apparently he's amazing at it because he steps into the team and they gave it to him. And the, the, I, I spoke, I saw someone uh, from the team at the Gala for Goals, the Tony Sane Foundation uh, event this weekend, and they said he's amazing at free kicks. He hit the bar uh, or the the post on it. Um, I, I'm curious because I've heard a couple people rave about Ariaga and. Um, you know, when you're watching with friends at the bar, um, you you kind of miss some things, and and uh, I I definitely did not. I thought the midfield was completely bypassed, and I didn't think or I didn't see Ariaga that much or, or notice him partially because I just don't recognize him yet. But um, then I went back, and our Y Scout that. Um, that uh, we have, it lets you just watch all of his touches and all, you know, I went through and watched all of his interceptions. I just didn't see it in the, in, even in those when I just watched, here's all of his passes or anything. Um, but people were really excited about him. And so I, I, you know, maybe just missed something with that. I don't know, Mark or Alex, if either of you were, were really impressed with him. I mean, uh, if I'm just I, being unfair or something. I think one of it is that what impresses, like, he does have a lot of, when he does go forward, he has a lot of speed when he goes forward too, which is kind of a change. And I was actually very impressed because, like, mostly, again, like, because uh, Ariaga definitely took over. Like, it was supposed to, I mean, who plays the six, who plays the eight is kind of like up in the air. But, like, typically, you know, Trap is more of our six, and then Dotson is going to be more of our number eight. And that got totally flipped with this change because Dotson, like he rarely went past, you know, half field line. Like he kind of stayed back again, like Rodrigo was talking about, he was kind of covering the left side, helping the bossy. And that's why I actually thought that Dotson had a pretty solid game just because 
we didn't see any issues with him. It's kind of like how last year everyone's like, oh, Will Trap is so boring. It's like, no, he actually had a really good game because you just didn't notice him because he just kind of did the small things that needed to be done and covered and did those things. Or did you not notice him because they completely, every time Philadelphia had the ball, they were like, oh, maybe we should just pass directly through midfield because no one's there. Right, but that's Philly, though. I mean, like yeah, you, yeah. you're talking, you're talking to a team that's what number two last year in the East, right? Yeah. I mean, they're known for their offense, and they're known for their quick, their, their, their quick transition aspect of it. Of course, they're going to look to bypass, but bypass. But those even two. we were bypass. It felt like we would get the ball, you know, right? Uh, we'd get the ball, and it'd go. It just felt like there was no midfield there, and sometimes that is a tactical choice. I totally get that, but there was never a Will Trap or Ozzy. Both of them would play that role where you get the ball, and then they are the one dictating it. So, I, I, I remain on the fence about this, but there's a question for me. Maybe Ariaga and trap would be really interesting. I don't know. Right. I don't know how positionally what they'll be doing, but I, I'm still Dotson didn't show me that much in this game. And I think I, I, the people who were raving about Ariaga, I think probably are smarter than me. And so um, I might, he might. I'll tell you know, Issa that. It. So, yeah, thank you. I think, I mean, I think that the, the nature of this game Philly has very strong wingers, and the Loons had reserve fullbacks. I think that that dictated the, a huge part of the game because they were very, very committed to attacking down the wing, especially against Debasi. You know, I think that they realized that he 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 was just beaten for pace, um, and so they got past him multiple times. And it's funny; one of the moments of the game that I remember was actually. Uh, in a transition opportunity, Ariaga racing back and completely overtaking Debasi, who was closest to the ball initially. Uh, but Ariaga actually was faster than him uh, and, and was at, at one point the last the last man back in that se- sequence. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, I think that the midfield did not. I think you're right in that the midfield did not play play a big role. But I but I do think that the the character of, of what our obvious weakness was and then who we were playing um, probably played a role in that. Um, it's one of the things, too, is just, it's just our fullbacks were put in a position and where, like, we know that Heath likes to use our fullbacks to get into the offense. And both of them really didn't have that kind of experience. Remember the last time Debassi tried at all to play in that role and how frustrated he got with Molino trying to get him the ball and trying to get the ball when he was making those runs. And they were, they were just they were just up so much that they weren't able to really make those those defensive transition runbacks. And it just it just became chaos in that aspect of it. But I think in the second half, whether Heath pointed it out to them or it was just that they were they were more they're more in the defensive side than they were in the attacking side. And I think that was one of the things that led to to more of the transition, but I, but for me, like one of the things that I found really interesting is we always talk about how Reynoso is getting hacked and how Reynoso has thirteen to fourteen people on him at all times, making it impossible and frustrated him. I didn't see him that frustrated this game, and he didn't seem to, to. He seemed to have enough space to be able to create. I think that's one of the things that 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 I found really interesting was that. He seemed to be just in the flow of the game and the aspect of passing the ball, moving around, going from the left to the right to the middle, and then just being able to to play his game. Sure, he has some beautiful footwork and he 
nutmeg a couple of people and just made a couple of runs into the to the twenty. But it was it was nice to be able to see him surrounded by, by offense and players that he feels comfortable around. So let's talk about that attack. I think Reynoso had a, a great game. Some some of the like signature passing that we've come to uh, just take for granted sometimes um, that he did. Got to sneeze. Maybe I don't. Now that I, now that I said it on mic, I don't have to sneeze. That's good podcasting. <laughs> and so we had um, Luis and Maria. One of the questions coming into this season was, what are we going to do about the strike force? Um, Maria did not uh, start to pay back any of his debt. The interest, the, the, the juice is running, uh, Luis. Um, but what did we make of the attack with Luis in it, uh, or just or whatever you want to say about that that front four? Because there were times where, like I said, it, it was just the the you know intricate threading that Reynoso was doing, the good runs. We can talk about. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh, the Lud goal. Who, who wants to take that first crack? Well, I, I think that one of the things that stood out again is that. We don't really have any strikers who have standout physical attributes. Um, I mean, that really was obvious to me late in the game when Hunu had come on and he received that great pass from Lud and he was going in on goal, but he was just getting overtaken. I mean, it was just it was so easy. He was one more touch and he would have lost the ball. So he had to take that long shot, and it was forced a good save out of Blake. But it just reinforced how slow he is. And I think Amaria is faster, but you know he's not uh, a tremendous aerial threat. Um, and we just don't have anyone who can, or you know, he's not specifically even strong like like Angela Rodriguez was. You know, we we don't we have a bunch of strikers who's main attribute is guile, you know, and they have to be positioned correctly uh, and they have to be on target and accurate with their shots. And um, I think that we have the talent uh, behind them with Reynoso and then on the wings uh, with Franco and, and Robin, but um, it just, it's, you know, when, when we replaced Amaria with, with, who knew? I, it, it felt almost like a like for like. I, that, that's that's not very sophisticated, but it, it was hard to see on a sort of a macro scale how our approach to attacking was really going to change. It was not a change of plan. It was yeah. I think a like for it's like. It's just fresh legs. Yeah. It's someone else, you know. And which, which in some ways you can understand because for the most part uh, the game plan had been working. I, I think one of the biggest observations I'm always making about this team is that about the 55th minute, 65th minute, somewhere in there, there are some of these games where you can tell there's, you, you know, it's a vibe shift, bro. Right. Um, you can tell that the team like Philadelphia is getting, getting more feet in this. They're, they're pushing us back. We should probably change something here. Um, maybe it's not the striker, but something. And, you know, Unu didn't come on, I think till about the 75th, somewhere around there. Yeah. 
and it, which felt like kind of late to me, right? Like Amaria, I thought had a good fr- first half, but then second half, I didn't see him really that much. controlled the the second half pretty yeah. decisively. And so then then you wonder, like, okay, how could they have changed that? Um, I, I I didn't think Amaria or I mean Unu should have just he should have finished, man. Um, you know, the just the, the absolute tantric uh, sting. Uh, personality of Unu just will not let him finish. But um, that was also a beautiful save. Yeah, yeah. But you know, at, at some point, like, yeah, I don't. He just, he just, you got to finish, buddy. Well, I, I get that part, but like, I mean, la- all last year we were like, he's taking too many touches, and then he's not releasing early, and and here he gets an opportunity and a and and, and a beautiful pass to be able to. Take a shot. He actually feels the pressure, and he decides to release. And it just happens to be Andrew Blake, who's the opposing goalkeeper, who more than likely is going to come up with a great save. I think if you do that against an Austin, or you do that against the Houston, or you do it against anyone else, that's that's going in. And you can say the same thing with Amarillo. I think Amarillo was just too selfish and try to do too much. Um, and I think um, that, with more touches and more experience, I think will hopefully get better. But yeah, we don't really. Our, our forwards are not a, new, uh, a real aerial threat. I mean, I think you have the Curvins Ariagas for that. You have our Boxels and Colmans for that to, to be able to 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 do that. And so, I mean, I love how you pluralize Curvins Ariaga. Curvins Ariagas. <laughs> there was a the moment. World. There was there was a moment where the ball bounced out on the top of the box, and Ariaga lined it up. And just ripped a shot directly into the defender, um, and I was really i i saw I saw that as a goal flash before my eyes because he just seemed to hit it so cleanly, um, but it was not to be. I, and I just didn't think this game was a finishing issue, unlike last year. It, it, there were some agreed, there were agreed. some bad finishes, yeah. but they're they're always going to be you know people yeah. who kick it over the the net or whatever. It didn't feel like we. Uh, dropped two points on the basis of poor, poor finishing. You know, and that sh- that chance by Hunu late. I mean, if Blake isn't set in his feet, it's a goal. So, uh, and and that was when he had to take the. You know, I just I I, he, I know for a fact that he could not have allowed to take another touch. A couple so things he did it when he had to. It was a good effort. You know. He just well, he wasn't he's not uh, he's not fast enough to 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 take another touch and break away and, and get a bad angle there. And it also felt like there was it's, and maybe it was just my perception of watches, but it felt like I don't know if like they saw something with Blake, but it felt like there were a lot of like times where they took shots from well outside trying to beat Blake, who was off his line a bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Which is again kind of come into like why Unu was taking that because there were a couple other times where like they're, they were trying to chip Blake and everything. So like, there's some weird stuff going on with Blake coming off his line a lot as well. Blake. Um, we were out shot 16 to 13. Our average uh, shot distance was um, it's usually last year or like overall, it's like 18.62 meters. Um, meters. Is that sound right? I'm reading this from Y scout and it doesn't say if it's meters or feet. It's probably meters because Weisgeld seems to be like yeah yeah yeah. No, that's better because right, eighteen. I mean, eighteen yard box is about eighteen. Yeah. Meters. Okay. All right. So the ours in this game was twenty four. 
Um, so we're, we're taking, and last year we had some of the most, we had, I think, second or first most shots outside of the box in the league. So that's a, a continuing trend. Um, the XG was 1.01 for us, 1.66 for Philadelphia. I think, um, you know, as we said, we, we, we felt pretty happy here um, overall. But one thing I want to talk about is what time is it? Bongi time! Boom, doom, 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 doom. Yeah, it was bongi time. Uh, we we did the bongi time cheer at the bar, and um, god damn, it was good to see him out there. He um, so he's the opposite of of, of Ariaga. He is so much smaller than you think. Oh, really? Yeah, he's tiny. Really? He's he's not quite in Golo Conte small, but he he. He had that vibe when he came on. You know what? He seemed, maybe it was just his presence. Maybe it was just his aura, but he seemed huge. <laughs> um, yeah. He he was very involved, very hungry. I thought, um, I thought the good thing is that it looks like the team, maybe they just want to push their social media metrics up. I don't know. But the team put him on early, right? Or like they didn't wait. They didn't like give him two minutes or something. He was the first sub. Yeah. And he... I thought wasn't very sharp, right? Like his passes, you know, the game was so fast so many times that it felt like he'd get the ball and put it out and then it needed to be sharper. But again, yeah. like, yeah, man, this is his first game. Totally. I guess what, what I felt encouraged by was, I don't think that this seems to be a player that um, is going to be sidelined to M- MUN, MNUFC. It didn't seem to, to be a Pangop party situation yeah and but i did see it and think mm, this guy needs to he just needs to settle in he needs a time to bed in and and get himself you know sharpened up yeah. and, and ready to go he had that one he, he had that one beautiful run into the box though where he beat like two guys and this shot was just terrible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yep. like that run was beautiful. and that's, that's what i mean it, it was and like he lost the ball and there was one moment where he was he was like just if he didn't quite react fast enough to a ball that I thought he should have gotten on, on the end of, and, and it ended up getting past him. And it would have been a great position. If and he it's did. something where I think three months from now, if he's still given time, then then I expect to see those kind of yeah. rough edges like to, he, to be smooth. He, oh, I'm cursing him by saying this, but he reminded me of Yago in that oh. um, when he came on and like. He he looked, you know, he came on with a little bit of hype, and you were like, "Oh my god!" Absolute you know, curse! And he, How dare and, you? And he almost put it together on the first dime, and you're like, "Oh man, you know, this guy, this guy could be something." I think fifty percent of our listeners don't even know who Yago is anymore. Yago, make me <laughs> lose my mind. Up and yeah. Yago was the guy who came in. In uh, we signed him uh, from Brazil, right? And um, he uh, when when Miguel Ibarra played the first half against Club Leon in a friendly with us. And then the second half he played for Club Leon. Amazing, by the way, that that, that happened. And then Yago came in in Miguel Ibarra's role. So he was going to fill this role of this great player for us. And he had two moments in that game, maybe only one, where he was super exciting, running into the box, and just didn't didn't quite get to it. And then... Well, and I remember... He didn't... He, he got it in like a... Um, and I'm misremembering this, a game against Indy 11 where we were dominating and he had like an opportunity to get like the fifth goal or something. And it was saved, uh, you know, a, a great save by the goalie. 
And that was like, that was the peak. That's of it. <laughs> that was it. And then he just disappeared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing up that uh, terrible thing in association with uh, our hero, <laughs> Bongo Kule Longwane. I'm hopeful he'll be better. Um, anyone else? So the defense was pretty good. I, I thought that um, O'Neill Fisher, uh, or, sorry, let's do this. Let's talk about the goal. Who wants to take me through our goal, Robin Lud? Oh, it was great. So, I mean, it all started too, like on the um, far side of the field. Like, uh, there's this clearance on the left. Uh, Ray got it, kind of to the wrong guy, got hacked. And then the restart, like, uh, Coleman quickly put it off to the, um, switched it over to Debassi on the left, or on, they were on the right side, switched it over to, the, it got switched over to the left side to Debassi. And Debassi just kind of like put a long clearance kind of down the left sideline to Fragapani. And, he had a beaut like this amazing first touch where like he kind of had the um, defender on his hip and he did this little flick where the ball just kind of went right in front of both of them and just spun them and just got straight like down the line with it. It was, it was a beautiful first touch to get down that to get past the defender and kind just of a bad error by the defender. Too. It was a bad error, but like it was also like if you just watch it, like it was only one touch that like where he kind of spun it off of the clearance. It was very nice, and then he got and then Frank Pine kind of takes it down to the goal line. Um, kind of cutting towards the goal. And Amaria makes a great near post run, which draws two defenders to him. And that just leaves Robin Lude basically on the um, you know, on the spot right there, ready to go, and just had a great kind of like pseudo shot, pseudo chip, again with the chipping, uh, over that went in and like it was a beautiful shot that beat Blake. And it was so awesome to be like twenty two minutes in, we're up one nothing on the road and uh started to get some hope. I was like, we're gonna do this. Fun too to have the first goal of the season. Mm-hmm. And then, on the other hand, our, the first goal we gave up of the season. This came off a corner kick, right? Am I yeah, getting right? Can you take me through it again? Sorry, I, I do, all of a sudden once I started to describe it, I was like my my brain went blank, and it I was, was like, a recycled corner. Right. Yeah. So okay. We we barely defended it. Yeah, Didn't barely really cleared it away. We thought about it defending it, it though. It but. got like about as far as the 18 yard box, and then Reynoso kind of had it, tried to spin a guy on the, edge, like on blind the corner of the box, it. yeah, and then blind back heel it back to him, and the guy got recycled back in down to the um, kind of to the corner where it got sent in, and then you know uh, it was just out of reach of Miller, who was trying to make a play on it, and then basically Coleman and Fisher just kind of watched the guy go right in between the two of them right, and just good. had it right in. Corey Burke, the union have a great, they do, um, they do, uh, Corey Burke, Corey Burke, that's their, that was their chance for him. Very, really yeah. original, clever. That's yeah. good. I liked it though. <laughs> um, apparently, apparently baby shark is popular in, in Philadelphia. Um, so popular everywhere. I'm going to, I'm going to call time on the, the game discussion, uh, anyone have a, a final parting thought or a player you want to, you want to. Call no, out. the only the only thing like I've, if we had gone like obviously going in, I didn't think we were going to get a point on the road in Philadelphia, and so I was pleasantly surprised by that. But being up like you know in the twenty second minute and like looking playing really well, and then like last year we were the worst team in the league for giving up goals in the last fifteen minutes of the half and the first fifteen minutes of the second half, and we did it again. And that's when we gave up that goal is almost more disappointing to me. Than the fact that we just gave it up because if we had given if we had given up a goal, fine. But like, 
I feel like I just hope this isn't a trend that continues from last season because it was just painful last season. And I just do not want it to continue. Not only that, but it's just like, we just gave too many second chances balls on clearance that there was just, you know, I mean, I think Philly had like what, more than 10 corners, right? I think it was like maybe 12, 13 in that sense. And like, we had like maybe two. We had two. And so it's like, it's like one of those things, if we can't clear the ball out, right? Um, like send it halfway field or just give us enough time for a defense to reset. It's, it's all going to be just, you know, trying to clear up the trash and just throw your body anywhere to, to stop anything. And that's not going to be successful whether, whether you, 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 you think it, it, it might, it might be a patch fix, but I mean, I think Tyler could have been better on coming out for that ball. I also see it's sunny, right? The sun always has to play with it, but I, I, I think he needs to be better on that aspect of it also in his distribution. And I, I think his distribution wasn't the best either. But overall, I mean, I one one tie. You can't really, you can't really not say, you know, horrible job. But at the same time, know that this is also a, a, a top team from the East that now you played with, you know, a makeshift backline and were able to be successful. So we'll see what happens with a transition offense, right? I think that's probably one of the highlights for me. It was like how how deadly we were in transition in the sense and i would love to see what we would do that against another team who's like that you know well let's um let's briefly talk about nashville this weekend saturday 5 p.m i'm extremely excited first home game of the season obviously black heart of st paul is literally the only place to be before and after uh, because otherwise you'll be cursed by a by a ancient uh sorceress or something will like that will there be a food truck uh, there will not be a food truck. There will be wieners. We've decided that our our uh, way to solve the food problem, food trucks are impossible because uh, food trucks like kept on uh, just like ghosting me last season. And we just, we realized that we can fry wieners, fry hot dogs in our fryer. And like, they're really good. And so we can do those. They're like really quick. We can actually get them out the door because our other food is way like just takes too long. So we're the only thing we're selling is wieners and beer and, and booze, but uh, that's the only food. So um, that we've got karaoke afterwards and then um, a dance party. We're doing our, um, uh, our, our new year's party got canceled this year because we just shut the bar down. So we're doing a new year's dance party uh, uh, that night. So you can, stay all day and night and have champagne at midnight. Um, Nashville beat Seattle at Seattle. one nothing. Fantastic for them. Eric Miller star, uh, not start, started and went the distance. Uh, so that means Susan Miller's back at the bar this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, get your absolute I'm lime so and sodas. Yeah. Um, so we'll see Suze really soon and the rest of the Miller clan uh, right. as well as... I'm hoping for... A snowball fight in that, in that, in that area of the black card, and hopefully we can get Jimmy Watson and just dump him or throw his face into. I wonder if Lori Lindsay will be in town. So Jamie Watson doesn't come into my bar, but Lori Lindsay's been in my bar. Um, so maybe we'll reach out to Lori and, and see if we can get a, a picture of her. I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, Jamie was all about me getting him some Lomo, so I don't know. I mean, Jamie's all about saying nice things on Twitter and then not doing them. Let's, let's, yeah. you well, know. let's find out. That's why, I, that's why I tweeted at him and I said, look, I need to know if you're serious because if not, I have to make Lomo Saltado. And yeah. if you're not going to eat it, I will. So, um, so I mean, I could use some on Saturday if you, if yeah, you just take seriously. orders. Um, That'll be $29.99. Please Venmo me. <laughs> so 
This game, I think, is going to be fascinating. It's going to be a very tough home opener. Um, National are a really good team, but it's really going to be fun to watch a defensive team come to Minnesota, and then we. this is what we want to see, right? We want to see, can this um, absolute Dirk Diggler uh, offense just unlock the keys of uh, the chastity belt of uh, Nashville sports? <laughs> Soccer club, uh, I'm I'm plus pretty the pumped. snow, yeah. Plus the snow, yeah. It's gonna snow. It's gonna we snow. We didn't like play seven. them last year, right? We've never played them. Is that correct? We've played them once. No. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, we played them once, but we have not played them recently. No, I don't think so. I've never we've been to Allianz. Never played them. That we, no, we played them the over there. We've never been to Nashville. When think. did we play Nashville? Um, maybe we've never played them because remember we had the weird thing where we didn't play hardly any Eastern Conference teams last oh, year. Oh, that's right. You're right. Last year, yeah, you think you're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe on FIFA. Is October right. six. Yeah, uh, no, nope, October six, twenty twenty. That is oh, what they. Oh, that's what, right, they've been in the league that long. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, weren't they the team that like missed the MLS's back because their whole team had COVID? Yeah, them in Dallas. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, it's gonna be fun to see all you absolute. Amazing people. Oh, it's a zero zero tie. That seems very appropriate. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We've got some questions. Back on the fifty five one podcast. Let's uh, let's do these Twitter questions. We're we're not going to spend too much time here because we've had a long long night, and uh, I've got to fly to L A tomorrow. Boom. To uh, to put the finishing touches on the Aurora kits, which won't be Don't out. Screw for this a, up! I want a good one. I know. For a no, black for T-shirt. Month. Well, it's no. It's mainly like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's mainly like just how how white do we make the kit? Just completely, um, completely white. Look, uh, look as as long as it has a red sash going across it, that's all I care about. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. totally. Yeah, that's, that's definitely in our our color palette. That's yeah, exactly it. No, um, we've been working with uh, um, Cassidy who uh, um who was the kit designer of forward Madison and she's the rapper like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Also designs kids. Hop cloud says over under on how many Minnesota Aurora inspired haikus we can expect from Rodrigo Sanchez Javaria. There's six games. So I would put the, uh, over under at, uh, four and a half because he'll forget to do it by the end of the season. Who wants to take the over? I'll oh, take the I- over. Okay. I'm going under that. I'm. I feel like it's going to turn into his um his performance on the pitch, where okay. he just won't show up. Ooh, got the over. I believe in him. Uh, Dano says, uh, "Aren't you happy Calvo isn't on the team? Me too. Oh my god. Oh my god. His his play against San Jose was yeah. Just everyone so should good. everyone should check out Matt Doyle's Twitter account. He uh he shared a clip of Calvo just falling <laughs> over. Losing his man and then busting into the uh, attacking third it's, on oh, the subsequent play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just um, total insanity. Yeah. You, that, that whole three man line back line of San Jose is just going to be like horrible. That whole, well, that's what we're everything. Matias San Jose is like a fascinating team for Minnesota United fans because there's Ibo Bise, there's uh, Jackson Yule, yeah. there's Calvo. Yep. It's like a, Young a, Greg sort of Oosh. a yeah. funhouse mirror of what could have been. Yeah. Right. Um, Yoles99 says, how much will Unu play this year? Expensive on the bench, though I don't think he's as good as last week's starters. Um, do we? How many games do you expect him to uh, start this season? Mm, start. The, if I put the over-under at six and a half, what are you going to take? I'll take the over. 
Yeah, take we should the write these down. Yeah. yeah, take the over too. Okay, I'm I, I take hope the he gets an opportunity too because it, I mean, that's one thing that kind of sucks about like I mean, even if you just watch the first fifteen, you know, ten fifteen minutes, Frank Apani like was a little rusty. Like everyone's a little rusty coming out, and like giving him just a fifteen minute run out is it sucks. Like especially when in preseason he never got to play like preseason matches with the actual starters. Like I don't know how you expect him to build chemistry if you don't give him some time to actually play with the starters and get in sync with them. And so I would. Love to see some rotation just because it's a slog of a season and you're going to need to rotate guys so they don't get injured. So just do it. Yeah, squad rotation. No, I mean, the question is, do we, <laughs> do we think it's possible? Do we, I mean, the, the only reason, the only way that Hunu doesn't play more than, more than you say, six and a half games or start that, that many games is if Amaria or Dunlady goes on a goes on a big long scoring streak that makes them impossible to drop or b stays healthy and neither of those things seem particularly likely to me uh for either of them Fair i think enough. they're going to be droughts and scoring among our strikers i think they're going to be injuries among our strikers and so i think there's going to be a lot of rotation up top the entire year connor sims says now that our attack has look dynamic and exciting for exactly one game. I have man city level expectations for them moving Two forward. Games, Cause we scored, didn't we score like uh, four or five goals against uh, Viking? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Is, is, is this appropriate? And why is the answer? Yes. Uh, so Minnesota United, Manchester city of uh, MLS sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sean Gilman says, will Heath see Ariaga as the raw legs akimbo player? That's an amazing description of a player. Thank you for that uh, visual, Sean. Um, will Heath see Ariaga as a raw legs akimbo player who will make for good depth, or will he continue to start him until he makes a glaring mistake and then never play him again? Also, Boxall is a boss. I do see that Ariaga is raw. Like He just seems to be like, Oh, like, in a sense, yeah. If this game was any indication, he's going to have 17 red cards this Uh season. Like, they were going to have to sit two or three times where he just went flying in. It's like, Jesus. I mean, he's going to have a straight red card in one match, at least one match this season. I'm calling that right now, is he'll have one straight red. But, like, I mean, the thing is, like, I think he's going to be a depth piece just because of Will Trapp was our solid rock. He's our captain. And then. He's unflinching love for Dotson and just making sure that Dotson's on the field. Unless there's some major injuries where like suddenly he can put Dotson in at either left wing or right fullback, Dotson will probably be in there. And so I think he'll be a death piece, which would be great. Like rotate him. I don't think you Heath has guys. unflinching love for, for Heath uh, or for um, Dotson, but I think, I think Ariaga replaces Dotson. I think that, yeah. That's, that's that's my but you and I have a, a ongoing Dotson fight. So I think that uh, Ariaga is going to play a lot this year. I think he's I think he's going to be uh, I think he's going to be an nail on starter. Um, yep. I think Dotson might play elsewhere or he might supplant Trap. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm further down on Trap than a lot of folks. So. But but I thought I think Ariaga. I think the team is really high on. Um, I, I think that's that's just because you and I are tall and we just love tall players. Um, all right, let's finish off with this. Our, our uh, Swedish comrade, Johan Dukov, says, when will your rom-com about Chilean president and Finnish prime minister premiere? Um, they're both good-looking people, young people. Uh, I don't know. Rodrigo, do you have any thoughts on this? 
Um, uh, my first draft is in works, so give me till May. Yeah, I've I've actually sold the um the the scripts to Netflix already, so um it's 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 already working. So you're too late on this. Um, I did have a uh, the, today. I had to respond to a, a guy, a French rapper, who sampled one of my songs and wanted needed permission for for licensing for a film, and I was like. I mean, if you're going to French rap over one of my songs I wrote five years ago, then that, yeah. So that was a very interesting email I got today. So what'd you do? I just, I told him, well, how much are you giving me? It's <laughs> basically what I told him, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm going to tell him like, oh yeah, you can use it. Cause he's not going to make, I'm sure he's not like a big guy, but like he sent me the demo to it. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize was this is French. It's good. I'll say, I'll send it to you personally. I cannot, it, like listeners, I cannot send it to you because uh, oh, it's, I think that uh, the condition you need to say is only if I get to play your rap on my podcast. Oh, that's that's yeah, yeah. That also, and, that you know and what? Money. We you it's could a Patreon thing. I'll put it up on, on our, our Slack on our Patreon Slack, and then anybody who wants to pay that three dollars a month can come and get that audio and listen um, to it. All right. So, do you get royalties? Like, say if you play more than thirty seconds on our podcast of the song, does that mean you get paid too? Like oh, I would a have to. Of a cent? No, we would have to because we don't pay. We don't pay in for licensing of that. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Well, never mind. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Great. You, way sh- to- you should also make sure that you get on the rap video. I yeah. love to see. I love to see Wes in a rap video. Hell yeah! Hell Just yeah. a random guy in the snow in Minnesota going like this. Yep. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's it. All right, kids. I'm uh, I'm I'm going to bed. This is this has been fun, Alex. It's great to have you back on the podcast. I miss you. Uh, and and your wry wit, uh, Mark Rodrigo. I take you for granted, uh, Corey. That's fair. You're somewhere. All right, everyone. <laughs> thank you so much. You're beautiful. You're sexy, and everyone loves you. Bye.